Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Good afternoon. You guys all made it in. And I know that we have more people that are still traveling in and coming in, but thank you for being at this session. We're going to talk about something that I find is the essential aspect of why we do children's ministry. Children's ministry is a fun world. Uh, You can do games, you can do puppets, you can do object lessons, gospel illusions, drama. There's so many out-of-the-box approaches to how we teach a lesson and do children's ministry. But there's one reason why we do what we do. And that is the child becoming familiar with the Bible and getting to the point where they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are ignited on a spiritual journey that then begins. As children's pastors and children's ministry leaders, we have an incredible and humbled opportunity to present the gospel in a life-changing way. But to be their pastors and their leaders to guide them along that spiritual journey. So today we're going to talk about something with your notes here. We're going to talk about salvation, what's next. And in the book that I've written, I call it Next Steps. Often what happens is a child comes to know Christ and they give their heart and life to Christ and we pray with them and we celebrate that moment and nothing else happens. That's the mistake. There has to be a discipleship process, a follow-up process, a celebration time. That that moment when a child comes to know Christ, it is a celebration, it is a milestone in their heart and their lives that they will remember and will last for eternity. So often we find that children come to know Christ and raise their hand and pray that prayer of salvation 12, 15 times. And they keep doing that. And we're like, why do they do that? Because there's not a discipleship process to follow. So we're going to talk about the next steps that we need to take in the discipleship process after a child comes to know Christ. So when we look at the scriptures in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 5, it says this. At the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him. And place the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Right there, Christ places the importance in Scripture on effective children's ministry, on accepting children and welcoming them to the kingdom of God. That is our whole principle that should drive what we do as children's ministry and children's ministry leaders in our work with kids. So the first thing, if we're going to present the gospel message in a life-changing way, they're going to pray that prayer of salvation, and then they're going to grow with Christ. The first thing that we have to do is present the gospel message. Let's talk for a moment about the idea of presenting the gospel message. 
The first thing, it must be done in a connective way with children. How you approach children with a message of salvation is not the same way you're going to approach adults with a message of salvation. You have to relate, and your message has to be relatable in a way that connects a child's heart to the Savior. The message must be clear, simple, and easy to understand. Clear, simple, and easy to understand. John 3.16, you guys all know that, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him but have everlasting life. That is one of the basis scriptures, one of the based and foundational scriptures for the message of salvation. Now there are others, but that is one of the key component scriptures that many use when they're presenting the message of salvation to kids. So there are five important things. I'm going to give you five important things that we want children to know about salvation when presenting the salvation message. So as you are writing your message, as you are finding a message that illustrates salvation, as you're putting an object to lesson together or a skit, whatever it's going to be to present the gospel message, there are five components, five aspects that you need to keep in mind. The first one, you want children to know God loves me. Everybody say that with me. God loves me. Number two, I have sinned. Everybody say that. I have sinned. The third one, God's gift to me. God's gift to me. And that's eternal life. Four, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. And five, I must decide to live for Jesus. I must decide to live for Jesus. Those are five components to the aspect of salvation when you're presenting that to kids that you want to make sure in a simplified, connective way that connects their heart to the Savior that you put in there. Now, accepting God's gift is as easy as A, B, C. Now, most of you guys know this. This is something that you're familiar with. And this aspect, a lot of people have down. But let me give it to you again. The A stands for admit. Everybody say admit. Admit. The A stands for admit. Admit what? That we all have sinned. And Romans 3.23 is the scripture that goes with that. For it says, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two is B, which stands for believe. Believe. You've got to admit and believe. Believe what? That Jesus died for you and is your Savior. And the scripture that goes with that is Mark 16, 16, that says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then we get to the letter A, B, C. C stands for confess. Confess what? Confess Jesus as your Lord. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. And that scripture comes from Romans 10 and 9. ABC. Salvation is simple as the ABCs. When you're presenting the gospel message to kids, ABC. Admit, believe, and confess Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. As we're preparing to present the gospel message, the message of salvation, to kids in a connective heart to the Savior way, you have to understand that you've got to make it visual. Anything that you do with kids has got to be visual, especially in this day and age. 
when video games and television and technology and cell phones and iPads, all of that thing is at its highest peak in our nation. So in order to be relatable to kids here, you've got to put it in a visual way that they can understand that will grab their attention and will energize them. So to understand that, research reveals that children retain 10% of what they hear. If you are standing in front of the room and you are only speaking to them the message of salvation, they will remember only 10% of what you tell them. 30% of what they hear and see will they be able to retain. If they can see something and hear it, they will retain 30% of that. 70%, and it goes up to 70% now, of what they hear, see, and say. And the same means to be actively participating in whatever form or fashion that may be during a message. 90% of what they hear, see, say, and do. Hear, see, say, and do. 90% of what they hear, see, say, and do. So whatever message you are preparing, you want to make sure that it is actively reaching them and the full capacity of their attention spans where you can. Now, this is an alarming fact, but it has proven over the years to be the case, and this has not changed. Every one minute, you have one minute per year of the child that you have in the room for attention spans. So, per se, you have a child in your classroom who is five, and you have one that's ten. Your attention span for that room is five minutes. Every five minutes, something in that room has to change. A different prop, a different song, a different game, a different point in your message with a different illustration, but every five minutes something has to change, otherwise you're going to lose their attention. Now every child is different, and there are children that can keep focus for a longer period of that time, but on average you've got one minute per year of the child, and you always estimate the attention spans based on the youngest child in that room, because a 10-year-old they will flow with every five minutes something changes. They'll, they'll enjoy that better. But you've got to appeal to the youngest attention span in the room. Now, what does that mean? If you are preparing an entire service in your children's ministry to present the salvation message that day, then everything that you do, games, worship, skits, drama, puppets, all of that is going to relate around the one common message that you're presenting. If your key focus verse is John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you want to find a puppet skit, drama skit, games, songs, all of those different components, illustrated message, object lessons that all relate around the plan of salvation. So every five minutes when something changes in your room, you're not switching messages, you're not switching points because that leaves the kids not remembering anything. You want to all relate around the same message. And use a variety. Use a variety of ways to illustrate the message in the plan of salvation. So review. Make the message clear and make it connectable with the kids that are in your room that you are trying to minister to. Here's the second time. Here's the second thing. Response time. You have prepared your message of salvation. You've presented your message of salvation. 
You've went through the ABCs. You've made sure that kids are getting those five points that they need for salvation. You're going to admit, believe, and confess with them. They are ready to accept Christ. Now they are ready to respond to your message. This is key. As you prepare for an altar time in your service, I call it altar time. You may call it response time. Every church is a little bit different. But that response time or that altar time, as you prepare for that, the atmosphere of your room is so essentially important to moving the kids from high energy, fun, 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 to serious component of the service. Here are some suggestions or ideas for doing that. You finish your message. You're ready for the kids to respond. How do you change the atmosphere in your room? One of the key aspects is with music. Everybody can do music, whether you're a small church or a large church. Put on some music, not high beat, high energy music, but you'll want to put on some soft worship music, maybe just some instrumental piano music. If you have a live band or you have somebody that can play keys, then they're just going to play softly behind you. That prepares the atmosphere. It changes the energy level to a more, wow, it got really quiet in here. And the kids will follow that. The other component to do is change the lighting in the room. If you're in an auditorium or you're in a place where you have a big children's center where you can do this and you have stage lighting, then change your stage lighting to maybe just a one focus spot on you and the rest of the room go to a blue. That changes the focus. If you're in a room like this where you have children's service and there's no way to lower the lighting, there still is. You have the ability to turn off these lights and maybe just leave one row of lights up. Why do I do that? It changes the focus. You start the music, the lights come down. Boys and girls, will you stand with me today? Very still, very quietly. And the moment you stand, I want you to close your eyes. And they hear that music, they see that the lights are out, and everybody's quiet. The atmosphere in the room changes, and they know that it's serious time. And the moment you do that and you prepare the atmosphere, you will feel it in your heart that the Holy Spirit just begins to rush in that room. You will feel it. Chills will come over you when that atmosphere changes. And the chances are that when you're feeling that, the kids feel that. As they're standing and they're getting quiet and they're just focusing, they begin to sense there's a change in the atmosphere. As a pastor, call attention to that. Boys and girls, did you just feel that? The room changed. The atmosphere in the room changed. That's because God is here. And He wants to meet you. And He wants to be your Savior. And He has ears to hear everything that we've been talking about today. Call attention to that. As a pastor in this moment, you are a coach to lead them through this prayer of salvation. It's very, very important that you do that effectively. So change the atmosphere in your room. Try some uh, background music to do that. Change the lighting a little bit. What I normally do is ask the boys and girls to stand very quietly and still. This is just something that I do. And I ask them to close their eyes. And when they close their eyes, chances are, if you've got some kids that are hard to kind of be still, they're pushing each other, they're peeking, that kind of thing, and I wait. And if I know the kid's name, I'll say, okay, Ricky, I'm waiting for you to close your eyes. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Joy, you've got your eyes closed, you're ready to go. And that will help them to focus. 
Once her eyes are closed, I will say, now I want you to just imagine in your mind an image of Christ. Just imagine Jesus. However you picture him in your heart, just imagine Jesus. Just focus on Jesus right now. And the moment you do that, I just want you to wave your fingers at me. Another focus point. It helps him get prepared for that moment. And then, okay, put your hands down. I'll know that you're listening. And then give them the response. The first thing that I ask them to do, if you're here today and you've heard as you've already talked about the plan of salvation, you've already done your illustrated message with them, they know what salvation is about. Now they're ready to respond. If you are here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want Jesus to be your best friend, you want to invite Him into your heart. If you've already done that, that's great. You don't need to do it again. Jesus is alive, living in your heart. You don't need to do that again. But if you never have, and you want to do that today, raise your hand really high. Next response, they're, they're saying, they're doing, they're listening, they're lifting their hand. Now remind them, and I have to say this a couple of times or you'll get repeaters. Okay, And that's okay if they were serious about it the first time. You have to judge that based pastorally on where you feel your children are spiritually. If you've already accepted Christ, you don't need to raise your hand. This is only for boys and girls that have never raised their hand. So they raise their hand, give them time to do that. Next thing I do, go ahead and put your hands down. If you raise your hand today and you're ready to accept Jesus Christ, when I count to three, I want you to come forward to the stage. One, two, three, and they come forward. Now when they come forward, this is another little key tip to help you. When they come forward, often kids will jumble up. Right? With their friends and if and they're focused for a moment, but they'll start talking to their friends or pushing their friends or whatever. You don't want them to do that. You want to keep them focused. So what I do is I take a colored piece of tape, like masking tape, and I take one line and stretch it across the front of the stage, from the stage about three or four feet away. One line of tape all the way across. And so when I ask them to come down, come down and I want you to find a place on the tape and stand. Put both feet on the tape and look at me. And they stand side by side. I do that for one reason, to keep them focused. For the next reason, so that if I'm on stage presenting the response time and praying with them, I can see each one of their faces. I will know if they're focused and they're real and they're sincere about what they're doing. So they're standing there. They've come up. They're standing on the tape. And then I go into presenting the steps. Why did you come up today? And I have each one of them tell it to accept Jesus. Well, my friend came up. You may not be ready. Go sit back down. You've got to judge that. You've, you've got to be able to determine where those kids are. If they tell you anything, I want to invite Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus as my friend. I want salvation. Anything remotely related, then they're probably ready for this moment. Okay? You have confirmed them. They're up there. And then fill the prompting of the Holy Spirit and how you want to pray for them to accept Christ. And usually I will tell them something like, we're going to close our eyes now. And I, I ask them to do this. If you know that Jesus loves you, and you've heard me say that today, lift one hand. And you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, lift the other hand. When you do that, it is a surrenderance. It is, I am open right now to accept Christ. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. You're going to repeat after me. But everything that you say right now, God hears. He is in this room. He hears exactly what you're going to say. He knows your heart. 
So when you pray this prayer, mean it with all your heart. And I'll lead them in a prayer of salvation. Be guided by the Holy Spirit and what He wants you to say and how He wants you to lead that. Sometimes it's been different every time for me. It just depends on that group of kids and what God was speaking to me at that time. And so we prayed, and after we pray, I take a moment and celebrate those kids. Boys and girls, I want you to turn and face the other boys and girls in the room. The Bible says that when one person comes to accept Christ... Angels in heaven rejoice, and they are rejoicing right now for the decision you've made. We're going to rejoice with you, and we applaud, and we clap, and we cheer for these boys and girls after they've made this decision. And then I ask them to go with our assistant, our, one of our leaders in the room, and they go right from this all the way out to a classroom. Now when they get into that classroom, here's where the follow-up process already starts. They get into the room, and our leaders, there's usually two or three leaders, depending on how many boys and girls are in that group, they talk with them about the decision that they've just made. They give them a kid's track designed specially for them to explain salvation to them, and they pray with them again. And they they usually tell them, this is something I encourage them to do, I tell them, when mom or dad or grandma or aunt, uncle, whoever picked you up today comes to pick you up, give them the biggest hug in the world and tell them I invited Jesus in your heart. Why do I ask them to do that? Confess. Out of your mouth. And then it lets mom and dad know what happens in the service. We take down their name. We take all of their information down. And then we send them back into the worship service with the kids for time to go home. Is that it? No, it can't be it. We have to then do the next steps, which is part of number three, which is follow-up. Communication is sticky glue. Communication is sticky glue. I can't say that enough. The very next week after a child accepts Christ, we mail out a salvation letter to that parent or that guardian of that child, explaining to them that we had in our kids' service this past Sunday Your child came forward, and we put the child's name. We make it personalized. Your child came forward to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We celebrate this moment. We're here to follow up with you. And then we let parents know about Believe 101. Believe 101, or Belong 101, is a class especially designed for boys and girls who have accepted Christ as a discipleship follow-up class of salvation. We tell them the date that that class is going to happen and what time they need to be there for that class. We also let them know if they have any questions, they can contact our office. Then we uh, also send them, the child gets a salvation birthday card that lets them know, welcome to the family, we're celebrating your salvation birthday. We take the number of kids that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We give that number to our senior pastor. And here's the reason. It's very important that your main congregation celebrates these milestones in your children's ministry. Often in churches, there are segregated ministries. The idea is we become one church with one vision, with one mission, and one ministry. Pastor, we had 11 kids come forward today to accept Christ. Is there any way you could mention that some point in the service this next Sunday? And most pastors will go, I would love to. That's great. Thank you for letting me know. And they'll do an email blast out or put it on the Facebook page. Or somehow during the announcements, the next service, they'll celebrate that. And now your congregation is aware of what's happening with children's ministry, that you're not babysitting. You're actually changing lives. And they're celebrating that moment, which is, we will talk about that now, 
it's a great way to get volunteers when they know the exciting things for what happens in children's ministry. So that's a part of the follow-up. When children come back the next Sunday, on the screens, if you have screens in your televi- screens or televisions in your children's ministry that scroll announcements, part of those announcements that are scrolling are the boys and girls' name and their picture. And it says, happy spiritual birthday. These boys and girls have accepted Christ. And all of those boys and girls' pictures scroll. That lets the other kids in the room celebrate that moment and know that these kids made a huge step with them. That's another step in the follow-up process that we do. Now, we begin to prepare for Belong 101. Let me talk to you about Belong 101. This is a class, and this is everything I'm sharing with you are things that I have learned over the many years I've been doing children and family ministry when I just became discontent of how people were leading kids to Christ. I believe there needed to be more to make this a milestone in their lives. So we developed a class called Belong 101. And this is a special class. It lasts for about 45 minutes. We usually have done it before service. We have a Saturday service, so we would do it before service on that Saturday or at a time when boys and girls early on Wednesday night may have already been there, so you don't have to come for a different day. However it works for your community, you'll have to decide that. But you want to set about 45 minutes aside for this class. When they come to class, they get a special Belong 101 student workbook. You get the teacher's guide. Where can I find this? You can find all of this information on this CD, which is a digital book. And I printed the teacher's guide. The uh, materials that you need for the class are on there. Those letters that I was talking about are on here. You can customize them to your own church. The birthday cards are on there. All of that information is packed on there along with skits, dramas, ideas, songs that you can use for salvation, object lessons. I was like, I needed to give you guys a resource that you can use not just tell you about stuff, and this, I loaded it full of resources and things that will help you in leading a child to Christ and through the follow-up process. Everything I'm talking about today, including the notes that I have, are all on this digital book, so check that out. Uh, the Love 101 class, where they come, they get a student workbook, you get the teacher's workbook guide, and it is a hands-on class where you are confirming, basically, the admit, believe, and confess why they've done what they've done. They accepted Christ. You're celebrating that moment. There's games and fun activities that you're doing with them. You give them some discipleship resources and a devotional guide. You make sure that they have a Bible. Some people wait until they're baptized to get a Bible. I just was like, I did that at one time. I was like, I really want them to start reading the Bible before they get baptized because that discipleship process needs to happen before that time. So we started giving them a Bible then if they didn't already have one that they, that they wanted to use. Bibles with Kids, just as a recommendation, NIV is a NIV Kids Bible. It's one of the best. The Adventure Bible, the NIV version, is one of my favorites. I like it. It seems to be very adaptable for kids. And so we go through that class. The end of that class, we give them a cupcake because it's a special spiritual birthday, and we're celebrating that moment so they each get a cupcake. Now, we live in different generations. Some boys and girls are allergic to sugar or can't have that for whatever medical reasons they can't. So... Know your kids ahead of time that if there's a kid that can't have a cupcake, you give them another treat that doesn't contain gluten and sugar and all that stuff. So just be mindful of that. But we celebrate that moment with them. At the end of Belong 101, we talk about water baptism. 
Because after someone accepts Christ, it's important to take the next step. And the next step would be what? Water baptism. Let me say this. There are many that believe a child needs to reach 12 before they're water baptized. The Bible doesn't say that. I don't know where we came up with that number. Uh, I think we saw age of accountability and we put a number with it. Each child reaches that age or that place differently. And I know many adults that are in their 50s that aren't there yet. And I know kids that are six or seven years old. They, they know Jesus. They worship Jesus. They are discipling kids in their school. And they are ready for that step. That's why as a children's director or leader, you've got to kind of see where your children are spiritually to be able to determine that. But we talk to them about water baptism. And we let them know that if you're interested, we tell them what water baptism is. And if you're interested in water baptism, we want you to come to the water baptism class. And we tell them about the water baptism class, which is another class that boys and girls can come take. To come take and I'll explain to that to you in just a moment. But the last part of the class, we talk about water baptism, and that would be the very next step that we take. When it comes to water baptism, we have put together and designed a water baptism packet. Now, water baptism can be a scary moment, a nervous point for a lot of boys and girls and for families. And because it's going in water, they don't know what to expect. So we want to eliminate all of that and make it a celebration moment. Just like what we did with salvation, that boys and girls, if we do it that way and we follow up with it, boys and girls will never forget the day they accepted Christ. It's such a big moment that we've celebrated. They won't even have to go back up and do it again and again and again. They've done it, they know Jesus, and they are ready to go. We want water baptism to be just as big. So we give them a water baptism packet, and in that water baptism packet, there is a booklet that they can take home and do that talks them and their parents through water baptism and what that means. And they do that with their parents, they talk about it, they bring that back. There's a water baptism application that they sit down with their parents and they fill out and it asks questions. What does Jesus mean to you? What do you think water baptism means? It asks those legitimate questions based in the way kids would answer for them to answer. It lists them things of what to bring on water baptism day. A lot of people don't know what to wear, what to bring, when the water baptism day is. We also give them water baptism invitations because we want the boys and girls to invite their family and friends and their neighbors to celebrate this moment with them. So we give them special invitations that they can go and pass out their family and friends to invite them to celebrate this moment with them. So there's all of these things loaded in this packet with them. They bring back the application. When they bring back the water baptism application, the children's pastor reviews that. They see if there's any concerns or questions and they schedule an interview, a water baptism meeting or interview with that boy or girl and their parents. And in that moment that they have, they go through the same questions verbally that were asked on the application and they check off if they're ready or if they need to wait. Two things this does. Make sure your kids are ready to go. Second thing, it helps you as a children's pastor or children's ministry leader to build a spiritual relationship with that child and their family. There are two folds to why we do that. Now, on Water Baptism Day, it's a big celebration. 
we have a special time in the service where boys and girls are baptized and that we go through that. Usually the pastor will explain what water baptism is to everybody that's there. He usually gives a salvation response time because water baptism is also a way of reaching out to your community. People may come to celebrate that kid that don't know, know Christ. So they do that, and then we go through water baptism, and we baptize kids, and every church has the protocol of how you do that. But after water baptism, the boys and girls go to a special banquet reception. At this reception... We have lively praise and worship music playing. Music creates the atmosphere. And every boy and girl that got water baptized that day have their own party table. It's usually a round table with fun balloons. And on each table, there is a big cookie. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, the cookie cakes? A big cookie cake with their name and it says congratulations and their name on it. And they get to invite all their family and friends to come and eat their cookie with them and celebrate them. And what we realize is some of the people that come even bring them gifts. And boys and girls love that. At the reception, the senior pastor and the children's pastor come up. They invite every boy and girl one at a time to come on stage or to a special area that they've uh, determined. They take a picture with them. They give them their water baptism certificate. We have one of our characters from children's ministry there. If you do mascots in your children's ministry, it's a great avenue and opportunity to have one of those characters there. They make good for pictures. We take a picture of that, and I'll tell you what we do that in just a moment. And we celebrate that moment with them and make it huge. The very next week, in the mail, we send them again. We send them a congratulations. We're so happy that you were water baptized. Here's a picture for you to remember this event, and here is a DVD of the water baptism service, so you'll never forget it. That is our discipleship process when it comes to leading a child to Christ through water baptism. Now, every child may come to you differently, and some children may come and they've already accepted Christ, and they're ready to be water baptized. They just didn't get water baptized at their last church, or maybe they did that at camp or, or in the street ministry or whatever it may be then you have an opportunity in that water baptism meeting to find out where that kid is spiritually and then go ahead and take them through the steps that they need to as well. Okay? So that's kind of what we do with water baptism and the follow-up process with that. Now the next thing is tracking. We do all of that. But if we don't track it, we have lost vital information on the spiritual report card of that child. It's important to track the spiritual growth and development of every child. We call that milestones. Now, there is a great big book about children's milestones, children's ministry milestones that you may want to check out. We do spiritual report cards. Now, you can create a database for this. There may be a database that your church currently uses that you can go in and make notes on every child and family. But if you don't have anything like that, you can just create an Excel spreadsheet or a number spreadsheet where you create the child. You put the child's name, parents' information, and on the side of that, when that child came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, prayed the prayer of salvation, you put that date. When they were water baptized, you put that date and any spiritual regards that you want us to know. That child received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they've been operating in these gifts, whatever it may be, put that on there. Why? Because pretty soon, about fifth or sixth grade, those children do what? They move on, sadly. We have to let them go. And they move on and graduate to middle school or student ministry. 
Now, when that middle school or high school pastor gets those kids, they don't know where they are spiritually. Do they start all the way over from the beginning and teach them the plan of salvation and they've all got to be water baptized and now I've got to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Where do I start? But if they receive a spiritual report card or they can look in a database and see where each child that they're getting in their ministry is and where they have experienced God and where they are on their spiritual journey, then that student pastor's work is a lot easier than having to start back over. Every ministry should build on top of the other ministry. It's a building block, building block, building block. And if you keep a spiritual report card on the spiritual journey of your children, it makes a big difference as they're graduating up through the milestones. Does that make sense? And there are easy ways that you can do that. If you have no access to computers, just write it all down. And keep a a binder, a notebook on the spiritual journey of your children. There are simple ways that you can do that, and there's more complex ways that you can get into it as well. The big thing I want you to know is 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is somebody's relationship with God. 100 years from now, whether we're all in heaven and we leave this earth, Our Jesus comes back, hopefully he will, between now and then. The only thing that's going to matter is if we know Jesus Christ in our heart and life. And when we keep that, the big thing, the big thing, it will change how we do children's ministry. When it comes to altar ministry, we've talked about salvation, we've talked about leading into water baptism, and you can do services that are related around salvation. You can do services that are related to water baptism. And on this book, we give you entire services that you can print out and do with curriculum and stories and object lessons. You can do entire. But after they've accepted Christ, after they've been water baptized, it can't stop there. There comes the next steps in their spiritual walk and journey with Christ. And that is to experience the depth of God's presence and power. We know as adults, there's more than one dimension of God. He's not just way up here and then we recognize Him and we've got Him living in our hearts and we talk to Him every day. There are dimensions and realms of God's Spirit and power. And we want boys and girls to experience that at a very young age. And I believe this and I have seen it come into play And so many times, I believe that children have the ability to hear the voice of God more clear than we do as adults. Because when we become adults, we've got so much busyness and so many distractions and so much stuff going on that we've got to remove all of that stuff in order to focus in and spend time fasting and praying and seeking God for hours and then we finally hear His voice. And kids have the ability just to tap into His presence and be used by God. I've seen kids prophesy. I've seen kids pray for healings. I've seen altar response time come and kids flood the altar and cry out to God and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I've seen them pray for other kids. That's what you want to see happen. You want to lay a foundation so that God can be God in your services and God can be God in their lives, not just when they're at service, but when they go home. Because little do we know what these children may be going home to. We don't know their environments. 
But if a child, you get a child excited about Christ and they come to know Christ and they're living for Christ and they're telling their friends about Christ and they're sharing that with their families, then that fire has got to grow because it is contagious. And pretty soon that family can be changed. Our goals should not just be to reach kids, but to reach the, and impact the entire family. And several years ago, after doing children's ministry, evangelism to chick kids, and being a children's pastor, God began to really change my perspective to not just doing kids' ministry, but doing family ministry and connecting the whole family to the love of Christ through outreach, through discipleship, through all of those different aspects that we were doing. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.